<clears throat> Can't believe it. It's finally over. I don't want to say finally, but I mean it's over, man. You know, it's the last dance, MJ. It's over. It was nice while it lasted. It was a solid five weeks. Can't believe it's already been five weeks of the Michael Jordan doc that we was getting. You know, I felt like I was in a whole different universe. I was in a different time and all that stuff. You know, I like how the ending of the doc was exactly how the beginning of the doc was with, you know, Jordan saying hopefully he can make a impact on the Bulls. And he was able to, um, as we can all see. So, and what else I, I realized from the doc is that you know, there were so many situations, not so many, but quite a few, more than enough, of situations where the Bulls couldn't have won six straight. They could have lost. You know, I had a few instances, and, you know, they made the right plays at the right time. But, you know, once the doc ended, I was just like, damn, because the director of the park of the of not the podcast but of the show documentary saying they have hours and hours of footage and obviously they had to compress it for these ten episodes and you know I just wish they could just release the footage you know, just so we could watch it. But uh I thought that's gonna happen and you know they mentioned in that that last episode about how the Bulls, the hardest time they had of winning the series was probably against the Pacers. And I would agree, but I would also say the Jazz. You know, they lost in six every single time, but the games was close. But so what I did was after the doc was over on the next day, which was Monday, I went and watched the Bulls and pulled Pacers game seven. And I noticed that all, all the Pacers you know, they all had like a ball, they shaved their heads bald and I wonder if that was a team thing or if that was all the stress that Jordan was giving them. But the cool thing about the Pacers was I felt like they did it because they wanted to and Jalen motherfucking Rose, man, his hairline is sharp till this day and he's almost 50 and that's lifetime goals right there. You can say what you want, man. Like, to have a hairline like that at the age of 50 and to stay, to stay crisply lined up, that right there is Hall of, Fame, Hall of Fame worthy itself. And to be honest about my hairline, I don't think there's anything to brag about, but them dudes, you know, the Fat Five, all of them got solid hairlines, so what's my boy, Juwan Howard? I don't know what it is about the Wolverines, man. Their hairlines be sharp. But they was all boy-headed. And not all the Bulls were bald-headed because obviously Steve Kerr wasn't bald-headed, Dennis Rodman. Uh, but yeah, so I'm going to watch the game. The game was very close, closely contested. And the first thing I noticed was that both of these teams were having a hard time hitting free throws. Both of them were about 21 for 35. And the officiating was, to me, I felt like it was lopsided in the beginning, but... The call is even out for me. And 
Uh, I just realized the amount of free throws that Dale Davis himself missed. I, mean, I think he's maybe two for nine or two for eight, maybe even two for ten. And even Jordan was struggling from the foul line. He was about eight for thirteen, maybe nine for fourteen, but he missed about five free throws. And you know, the game to say the playoffs is all about matchups. And both teams did a great job of, you know, exploiting the matchups. Like the Pacers, they had a few bigs down low, and they would just dump the ball down there and play the inside-out game. And that's another thing that I noticed where, you know, certain stats is not fair for guards back in the day because, you know, it was more systematic how the game was played in terms of each position served a purpose and nowadays we're playing position positionless basketball and allows people more freedom and allows for better stats to be shown and it might not necessarily be better impact um, because I feel like Jalen Rose he only had 7 points and about 2 rebounds but he was playing the game properly he would get the ball to the right spot to Rick Smith or if it was Reggie Miller or Travis Best and to the right players at the right time, and it's not going to show up on the stat sheet. Same thing with Derek McKee, um, Travis Best. A lot of these players on the Pacers, they play great basketball, but a lot of it wouldn't, wouldn't show up on the stat sheet. And I think that's one thing. It's not fair to be judging some of these players by, by, by the statistics and, and things of that nature. But I also find Mark Jackson... I just feel like the moment he inbounds the ball, he's back in, in post-up position once he inbounds the ball, and he's dribbling the ball that way down for the rest of the court. Um, the man has great IQ, great court awareness, and and phenomenal player, but I felt like he really could have, if he had more handles, his game would have been even more effective, but... He definitely knew how to get people involved. And he's another one of the players that was playing the inside-out game with Rick Smith. As soon as they doubled him, he'd be better to shoot and he'll make it. And um, Reggie Miller, game seven. It looked like he was struggling a little bit. You know, Rick Smith was holding it down. You know, players had a lot of... I noticed any player with a hot stretch, a hot, stru- a hot streak, they would just feed that person. Rick Smith's hot, feed him. Reggie Miller hot, they feed him. Travis Best had it going on, feed him. Same thing with the Pistons, I mean, with the Bulls. Kuko was just hot, feed him. Steve Kerr hit one three. All right, let's see if he hits another one. The game was close. It was back and forth. And in the documentary, they showed an important sequence where Jordan might have been out of bounds and Dale Davis or Antonio Davis, I think it was Rick Smith's, um, it was a jump ball. The Pacers lose it and the Bulls win it and Jordan shoots and misses it and Steve Courage a three to tie the game and then Pippen scores. I mean that was in the, that was a back breaking play but the game was still tied and it just felt like when the game got closer I felt like on the Pacers and no one really wanted to shoot the ball and everybody was a bit passive. And that was weird because, you know, Reggie Miller is stone cold. Jalen Rose stone stone cold. It's game seven, and he was playing pretty aggressive and their kind of game. 
And and just to see them look a bit timid in the last five minutes of a game seven where they were very much in it. It was surprising. And um, speaking of the gold himself, Michael Jordan, no, he was he wasn't perfect this game either. He was about nine for twenty three. But then you know, sometimes like I said, you can't just look at his stat line. If you look at his motor, if you looked at his aggression, you know, he he didn't back off either. He was you know, he was emptying the clip because it's game seven and he let it all he left it all out there on the floor. If his shot wasn't dropping, he go to the paint and draw fouls. Get to the foul line if shot not dropping. And once he got double team, he'll pass the ball to Luke Longley. He would make it. He'll pass it to Scotty. He would make it. And you know, one thing I have noticed throughout this talk was, you know, Jordan's more of a willing passer than we give him credit for. You know, people say, oh, he's just a scorer, but it's not the case. And you know, he thrives on defense. He takes pride in defense. And um. Yeah, like, like he was nine for twenty four. He wasn't having to fall from a perfect game, but he didn't give up. He would always find a way to get the key rebound and you know make his impact being felt other ways. So yeah, like they said, like Jordan said, that game could have been won by the Pacers, and that jump ball was pivotal. But the game was still hanging in the balance and. Pacers just couldn't find a way to score and I felt like they just got a bit timid and they stopped doing what got him into that position to win that potentially win that game and but like I said those ball headed the ball head trend was pretty swaggy thought it was cool because when I thought about it you know even the Knicks did it in the 1998 to 1999 season and they went the ball head route so I'd like to do some further investigating if this is really such a cool thing to do. Because if it is, it might be a trend uh, from 2025 and moving forward. You know, speaking of Dennis Rodman and his hair, that's a whole different discussion. You know, he was really a wild dude. You know, he really said, I'm going to go wrestle for the NWO while y'all figure out what the team got to do in practice. And yeah, that shit was swaggy. I'm not gonna hold you. Especially after they made those key free throws in the finals in an important situation. You know, like I just said in the NBA finals. Like, he skipped practice to go wrestle in the NBA finals. You know, he really did things on his own accord. So I could definitely see Dennis Rodman being sponsored by Honda and sponsored the Honda Accord. You know, so what I had to do when I started, I realized that you know, Dennis Rodman was really out here doing him. I wanted to Google how old he was in the 90s. And then I peeped that he was well into his 30s. I was like, oh, shit. You know, that just made me think about how the 30s could potentially be. I'm talking about my age of a person not like 20, 2030. But now that I said that, I'm I'm interested on how the 2030s is going to be as well. With all this wild shit going on in this world. But I'll leave that for another day. Because I'm still processing how 2030 might be. Because 
2020 just started and it's just wild. So let's just make it through this decade before we think about 2030. So, you know, back to Dennis Rodman. He was really out there doing him, you know, from what society be telling us, you know, once you're around that age, you're supposed to settle down and be all mature and boring. But I never really thought that being mature all the time was, was cool. But I'm not saying at the same time, you got to take it down to, or take it up to actually Dennis Rodman levels. You know, a fine balance in between is cool. But, you know, the cool thing about being 30 now is you think 30 is the new 20. And to be honest, that might be because of Dennis Rodman. And and 2020, you know, this year itself is a whole new conversation. You know, we haven't figured out how to tackle this year or decade, but hopefully we do it because, you know, this world is in some wicked, 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 Wiki, wiki, wiki stuff. Like, but shout out to Dennis Rodman though, because he was doing him, man. And a lot of, not a lot of us in this world have the opportunity to just do what we want to do, whether it's right or wrong, and deal with the consequences. You know, so a lot of times we just deal with the consequences mentally and not even do it. So there's consequences and everything, one way or another. But, you know, back to the Utah Jazz, what could I say? Like, their jerseys, fire, fire. Fucking flames, dog. Them jerseys was too wavy. Like, those mountains looked hella icy on the warm-ups. And, and plus, purple is one of my favorite colors. You know, it's a shame that with those jerseys and uniforms and gear that they couldn't get a ring. I probably would have had a jersey of Austin Carr because he played in goggles. And I think the ski culture in Utah probably would have really appreciated it. And you know, I wondered if he ever went skiing. You know, I feel like he might have been doing that. And, and on both of those series, they was pretty close to winning those chips, man. Like I said, I know they lost in six, but plus in one game, they did lose by about like 150 points. The score was 96 to 54. That's pretty bad. Pretty bad. I think it's still the record for the lowest amount of points scored in the shot clock era and in the NBA Finals, like killing two birds with one stone. But a lot of these games, it came down to free throws and execution. And that's why the Bulls kept winning. You know, Carl Malone missed free throws, Jordan makes them. Carl Malone loses the ball, Jordan steals it. It's just those simple plays that, you know, cost them the chip. And unfortunately, even after Jordan retired, they couldn't get another run at it. And unfortunately for the Bulls, they couldn't get another run at it either because that whole organization was divided and it was broken eagles everywhere and a room full of men with a bunch of pride that couldn't decide on what they was gonna do and and I guess fate decided it for them. But to be honest, I, I don't feel I don't feel that bad about it because at the end of the day, 
it was the Knicks that went to the finals. So I felt like it's some sort of tradition whenever you know, Michael Jordan retired, the Knicks will make it to the finals. 1993, Jordan retires. 1994, Knicks in the finals. 1998, Jordan retires. 1999, Knicks in the finals. So, but another thing that was interesting was the fact that you know, there was rumors that if Allen Houston missed that shot against the Heat and the Knicks lose, there's a great chance that the Knicks get Phil Jackson the following season, which actually sounds amazing. He's about to have his Zen master up in this bitch. But because Allen Houston made the shot, he went on a great radical run. And I'm thinking about it now, like, you know, it might have been cool if Allen Houston missed that shot because... At the end of the day, Jeff Van Gundy left after two years. You know, he resigned, and it's not even two years. It's like a season and a quarter, one one season, 1.25 seasons, so a season and a quarter of a season, and he resigned. And I thought that was trash. Like, we needed you, bro. We were 11-9 before he resigned, and then we end up 30-52, and 52, bro. Then you want to be like, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. That was messed up of me. I don't know why I wanted to be with my family. Then you realize that family should get boring after all, man. You know, especially during this quarantine shit, man. Like, I love my family, but I need a break from them, man. <laughs> but at least, like I said, I'm glad he said he couldn't have done that. But I would have been impressed to see what Phil Jack would have done with, with that roster. You know, plus we had, you know, Allen Houston, Spirituel. You know, we didn't really have a big to work around, but we had Marcus Canby. And who knows what he would have done. Maybe he could have stretched out Allen Houston's career a bit more. Same thing for Spirituel. But like I said, in 2000, the Knicks, what, they lost in the Eastern Conference Finals. So we were right there. So if he had Phil Jackson in 2000 and... Got a Zen master. Whenever I get a coach like that, you know, other pieces come along for a slightly lesser price. And that could have been what took him to the finals again. You never know. But we will never know. But the 99 season was still impressive. And I'm glad that we got to see that run the way it was. Because that run was pretty magical and amazing. And like last week was the anniversary of Allen Houston hitting that shot and it almost brought tears to my eyes. Like it's been that long since it's been twenty one years since we've had like magical playoff moments. These moments that actually made me a Knicks fan and that I'm still yearning for those kind of moments till this day. It's frustrating. But that season was still impressive, it was still amazing and they're still the only team to be the AC to make it to the finals. So, I'm glad Allen Houston made that shot. I'm glad Larry Johnson got that four-point play. I just wish that Larry Johnson didn't sprain his knee in game six against the Pacers, and I wish that Patrick Ewing was healthy because I think with the way that the Knicks were wired and the team was wired, we just needed some more bodies available to play out against the Spurs. And, and their dynamic duel. But it wasn't the case. You know, by the end of the day, it's still going Knicks. 
Because that's what fucking matters. And back to the doc. Like, that shit had literally just finished. Doc had just finished. And ESPN wasted no time going. So who's better? Jordan or LeBron? I'm like, yo, this shit just finished, bro. And y'all already asking who's better, Jordan or LeBron? I'm thinking like, God damn. Can y'all breathe for a second with the comparisons? I mean, LeBron was out here doing graduations with the kids. He had Obama. Uh, he had like other famous people there for the kids' graduation and stuff. I mean, no one really spoke about it from what I know of. And to be honest, I need a break from both of them, man. I love MJ. Uh, I fuck with LeBron. He's cool. But I even need a break from MJ right now and let the season resume. You know, we, we didn't let this fucking doc marinate. You know, instead of just letting this doc marinate and appreciating what Jordan did, you know, they went back right to the comparisons. But I just know some way, somehow, they impacted LeBron and I'm okay with that because I'm going to be watching LeBron even more now. And, and the messed up thing is that this shouldn't have to do anything with LeBron. Like this doc, it should be Jordan appreciation and it should give motivation to whoever it gives motivation to. And like I'm pretty sure motivating LeBron. But LeBron, I'm pretty sure he's already motivated to get that full chip. You know, because he's deep into his career. Father Time's around the corner. And I know this doc probably pushed it over the top. He will never say it, but I'm pretty sure it did. And and then once the NBA start back up, you know, we're going to see what's good with LeBron, Kimbo Slice, Kendrick Perkins, James. We're going to see what he's going to do. Because that doc got me motivated. So I know that's going to motivate LeBron to get that fourth ring. And I... I truly hope people have listened to that man in the arena speech by Teddy Roosevelt. You know, LeBron talks about it all the time. And the only reason I really haven't listened to it is because the speech is pretty long. And I will definitely listen to it slash watch it one day just out of respect for LeBron James. You know, if you recommend it to me 20 times, you're going to rest on your shoes. Ah, you really mean that shit, bro. And especially in this quarantine, we all looking for shit to watch, shit to learn. I'm gonna watch that speech, bro. Just out of respect. For LeBron, my boy be like, oh, word, bro. You gonna watch that shit because of LeBron? And I'm like, yeah, bro, that's your boy, right? So I'm gonna watch it for you, bro. Excuse me. But the media, man, they're gonna keep talking about Jordan and LeBron James and, and us like fans. We keep voicing our opinion. We keep saying, no, MJ better. No, LeBron's better. No, LeBron is not better. No, Kareem's the best. No, us fans need to act like most of those scrutinized players that have all the endorsements in the world and don't want to lose none of them. And every single time there's a poll that says, who's better, Jordan or LeBron? You just write no comment. What do you think about MJ? No comment. What do you think about LeBron? No comment. Today, M no comment. If you see the word Michael Jordan, if you see the word LeBron, if you see 
LeBron James and Michael Jordan in the same sentence. Just say no comment. So they just shut the fuck up. But then, they're probably been out to talk about, right? You serious, man? There's mad shit to talk about. Like, how we gonna get this season back? And let's see if we can do it. No, this season was up for grabs. And now we really don't know what the hell is going on. Like, I really don't know what's going on. Lakers is peaking. The Bucks was out here. Celtics gelling on the low. Sixes, they got to heal up. I know Embiid was banged up and shit. Simmons was banged up. His back was in pain. You know, the Clippers got to load manage and be consistent with what they was doing the whole season. You know, I want to see... I also want to see what's going to happen when the Rockets and Thunder play in the playoffs. Because OKC, OKC seems to have their number. And that's a matchup I wouldn't mind seeing in the playoffs at all. And, and if that happens and OKC wins, that whole trade will blow up in the Rockets' face. And despite how well they've been playing, I know the Rockets losing to OKC. It will benefit benefit a lot of teams in the West. Just because their whole playing style is different. You know, the whole small ball the whole small ball lineup and shit and I know PJ Tucker, he's using this time to heal up because once the season's back up again and it started, he's gonna be playing forty minutes a game, averaging about eight points and eight rebounds. And expect a lot of post-game and pre-game outfits to let us know that he has an immense passion for kicks. And it's going to be interesting, man. Like I said, I just hope this should start back up June 22nd. Speaking of docs, another doc that I'm looking forward to is is the Clay Thompson doc. You know, I want to see... I want to see it because we all know Clay's that dude. You know, that mysterious shit really be working. Like when <laughs> DJ Khaled called Tyler Creators, Tyler the Creators music mysterious because it went number one instead of his album. And I'll be honest, I listened to neither of those albums. But back to Clay though, he has so many funny moments and What's funny about it is he's just being him. It's not an act that he's putting on or nothing. And he doesn't need to do anything else. He's just him. Plus, you know, we got to see Clay with his game face on on his road to recovery. I want to know if he, how much fun does he have? How many jokes does he crack? What's his sense of humor like? I know following up this Jordan doc is a, is a tough act to follow. I would have to say that. But like I said, we all love Clay, so he'll be just fine. You know, out of the four players mentioned on the Warriors, Curry, Clay, and KD, the former Warrior, and Draymond, you know, Clay was the most likable for some reason amongst all of us. Uh, you know, some people don't like Curry's celebration methods. They're like, oh, I'm not fond of him. Being braggadocious after hitting five threes in a row. But Clay, he just seems to get out there, lace him up, and just call it a day. And when Clay doing that doc, he's really doing it for the culture. You know, like the moment when he had to sign a toaster. And he was looking at the toaster like, yo, what is this? Why am I signing this? 
And I could go on and on, man. And, and or like when he drank that cause light and he had like a weird ass reaction to it. And I never seen someone drink a beer and, and just make it seem like it was some hard liquor. And with that being said, you know, that's a cause light, you know, cold hard facts of the day. Um in case you're wondering, like, why, why I'm not mentioning any of Clay's performances on the basketball court, you know, do I really need to? I know this is a basketball cat podcast, but I'm not in the mood for that right now, so I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that this episode, at least. You know, but like I said, we all know that boy's a baller. And the one thing I didn't like about Clay, it's not Clay. It's about the statisticians that talk about, yo, Clay had 184 points on three dribbles. Those are big lies, man. I'm like, yo, he just dribbled three times on that possession. And they be like, nah, nah, he dribbled three times on the points he scored. I was like, oh, so I didn't take three dribbles again. Nah, nah, I didn't. I so I need to stop hyping up these fake stats. And it's cool, though. I get it. Like, he's a great shooter. But that whole dribbling shit, I don't understand the fascination with it. I mean, I do, but I don't want to. Like, just say he had 18 dribbles and scored 80 points. It's still impressive. Like, ooh. So, the other 15 dribbles, he had 8 points. So, now that looks very unimpressive, too. If you want to put it that way. You know, but like I said, man, you could go into a clay podcast. A clay baller episode another time. Um, but there was some positive news. Like I said, I hope Clay's hopefully he's well recovered. Or almost recovered from the ACL. It's almost been a year, so hopefully he's good. You know, speaking of good news, I've also heard that the NBA players they were they were in a conference trying to figure out how the season's gonna turn out. And and then basically trying to figure out and if the season is going to continue. And I think having a deadline is key because I think we all feel like we're in a limbo. And another thing is I know none of these owners want to lose all that money that's on the line. And I also know none of the players want to lose that money that's on the line. And I felt like prior to this, it was just playing like phone tag. You know, the, the players and the owners, they're looking at their phone like, oh, who's going to text me first? Oh, who's going to call me first? I was playing a text game or the phone game. I'm glad somebody said, yo, enough of this. Let's figure out something. Let's try to get a deadline popping. So I'm glad this talk's going on. Uh, I'm glad that Cuomo, Cuomo, uh, the New York governor, he wants to see some sports back in action. And... And I can't predict how the rest of the world is going to pick pick back. I'm just studying my words just now, but I can't predict how the NBA is going to, at least the NBA is trying to figure something out, and, which is positive. And the crazy thing is I can't predict how the world is going to pick back up again, but at least the NBA is trying to do something. And... Uh, that's where we at with the NBA, man. I'm just trying to figure something out. I'm glad there's talks. There's just not no standoff. 
or chill out, let's see what happens type of thing, trying to make shit happen, all like that. Um, that's all I really have for today. And I think I messed up. I made a mistake. I didn't really introduce the podcast. Um, this is episode 21 by your host, Capjack, a.k.a. Please say the F, a.k.a. Just another Knicks fan, a.k.a. Knicks1973. Soon to be 2022, Chip in 2023. So hopefully, you know, Chip comes soon. And hopefully I stop forgetting to introduce the podcast in the beginning. Uh, I want to thank all the listeners that's tuning in. I do this for y'all. I do this for the love. I do this for the Knicks. I do this for the NBA. I love this shit, man. And, you know, that's all I got for today. So I'm going to check out, y'all. Peace.